Hi there, and welcome to a special episode of the Canned Geek Podcast. What you're about to hear is an interview with Bill Guratz, who is the creator of the Armageddon Convention. And uh, this was originally going to be a segment on uh, episode 33 of the podcast, which will be out the exact same time that this interview is out, so check it out on iTunes or cangeek.com. But uh, it ran quite long, it's about 25 minutes long, so instead of being a segment, it's its own show. So have a listen, and hopefully you find this an informative behind-the-scenes of the convention process. And one last thing, uh, please excuse the audio quality for the first three or four minutes. I made a bit of a mistake and it's a bit distorted, but I do catch it eventually and it ends up sounding a bit nicer. But uh, it's still it's still audible and hopefully it's entertaining. So here is the interview. All right now, time for a bit of a segment. Uh, my name's Kyle Evans and we're on cangeek.com. Joining me now uh, via Skype is uh, Bill Gerards, who is the uh, creator of Armageddon, the pop culture convention which is held uh, throughout New Zealand and Australia every year. There we are. Well, just before we uh, recording, you, you're going to uh, explain how Armageddon came about. Uh, well, in, originally, um, I used to be involved with the New Zealand Doctor Who fan club. And we were running a uh, series of video days and conventions, and they formed a committee, and, you know, it sort of just shifted in terms of its focus. And somebody said, you know, you, you should run a show. You could run a show. And I thought, yeah, why not? So we did this small day in June of 95 uh, at a community center and had about 100 or so people there. And one of the smaller guys who turned up said, you know, nobody's doing any big shows at the moment. It wouldn't be too hard to set this up. And... And um, by December, we were running an event called Armageddon. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Sorry? Sorry, go on. In uh, 99, we did our first Melbourne show, and some people remember it fondly. And all in all, we had Claudia Christian, and, you know, it was a good, good, fun show. But, I mean, I lost money on it, and it, it you know, I was trying to run it from New Zealand, which is never a good idea. Sorry, did and, you say the first Melbourne show was 1999? Yeah. Oh, Okay. But uh, you didn't end up making a return until, what was it, 2006, uh, uh, was it? it? It just didn't work. I couldn't, I was working full-time at the time, and you just can't run a show in Australia from New Zealand. It just doesn't work. Hmm. So we just left it for a while, and then come 2007, we're looking, a few things changed on our end, and uh, I got better contacts in Australia, and I connected up with some guys who'd been running conventions in um, Sydney and uh, Melbourne. Uh, Rob Brown, Robbie Bordescorzi, and Scott Liston. And uh, we, uh, you know, agreed, they agreed to run it with me, and they do most of the legwork in Australia, and I still do some of it from over in New Zealand, and uh, the rest is, as we say, is history. Now we're on to our third proper show, and we've got one more, I mean, obviously the next Melbourne one, and we're doing a little thing in Sydney in uh, 2010 as well. Very cool. I should also clarify, that's just the uh, the third Melbourne show. Armageddon itself has been running for how many years in New Zealand? Um, 15 years this year. 15, excellent. So uh, do you, uh, have, you, have you been to the Melbourne uh, or Sydney shows? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I've been to most of the shows. I get around, I go to shows in England and, and Comic Con in the States, and I've got to get to Dragon Con sometime, but um, uh, some of them are getting a little too big from what I hear, so... But, uh, you know, I get around to as many shows as I can. Very cool. Um, also, apologies just then. Uh, you, people might notice the uh, audio quality has gotten a bit clearer. That's a uh, stuff up on my part. But the, hopefully the content is still good. Uh, but moving swiftly on, I'm just also curious. Um, when you started creating Armageddon, what, what was your mission statement? What was your goal? Oh, God, it was just to have a lot of fun. 
Who didn't? If I don't. I, if anybody, anybody ever gets into running anything along the similar vein, or running a convention or anything, and it's not because they're a fan of something, then they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, and I think that's very much the, that's the, very much the way that I got into it. It's um, uh, as a fan looking to do some more, and you know, and it just ballooned from there. I mean, I, there's certainly there's things at the show that I don't have too much of an interest in. Um, I mean, I watch a bit of anime, but I'm not a diehard anime fan. I watch a, I watch a lot of sci-fi, but there's some stuff there. I mean, like I, I'm not very interested in Twilight at all, but we'll have Twilight at the show. But I also like to expose people to different facets and to just say, oh, I'm, I'm a Doctor Who fan. All we should show is Doctor Who is arrogance at its best. And you've got to so show people different things so that you know, maybe somebody who's a Doctor Who fan will get into comics, and maybe somebody who's a comic fan will get into Twilight, and maybe somebody who's a Twilight fan will get into Doctor Who. It's, it's a nice circle or triangle or whatever that um, hopefully encourages more fandom. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, I'm, I, I like the idea of converting non-believers. It's, it's an almost religious philosophy, but it's nice to get people who, I mean, who doesn't like go, showing somebody a TV series that they've never heard of and saying, you should watch this, this is awesome, and then that person loves it and becomes a, a you know, a diehard Battlestar or, or Serenity or, you know, even the, the more obscure stuff that pops out. Cool. Um, if, we, if we can, I'd, I'd also like to talk a little bit more about the uh, operations. I'm really curious... Um, <laughs> One thing that happens, uh, that's, well, it's not, it's not too uncommon at, at Armageddon for, for high-profile guests to have to pull out for one reason or another. You guys yeah. managed to cover this really well. Um, I'm wondering, do you guys have backups, or do you just work fast? No, no I never have a backup. I mean, it's, I, I, I've been doing it long enough that you can get a feel for when something's going wrong. Mm. Uh, you know, get, uh, invariably, agents don't get back to you as quickly as they used to, or... You know, you've sent them a, a travel itinerary and, and it's just not coming back. They haven't approved it yet. Um, I tend to get things done pretty early. And most guests, um, you know, nobody cancels just for the hell of it. Most of them want to be down. And they don't like cancelling. But unfortunately, and this is the bit that I don't think many um, attendees who grumble about this don't get, is it is a business. And the convention side of it, the guests are attending for money, and if they can make more money acting and also increase their profile, Sorry, that's what they can do. Um, the, you know, uh, it's never a great for us. I mean, we always book a guest, and that's who we plan on having at the show. Hmm. So when we have guests cancel, which, you know, some years we've had none, some we've had the virtually the whole lineup. It, it, every year is a little different. Um, I tend to avoid booking actors that are in active TV shows. Much as they would be the best people to have at the show, they're also the most unreliable in terms of the schedule. Makes sense. Well, and, but you get some shows that do that. And then when the guest cancels, it shouldn't really be too much of a surprise. Hmm. Um, but then there's others that know their itineraries. And even though they're filming, they're off for two weeks. And, you know, so you can work these things in. So, yeah, everybody's different. But hmm. I don't think any organiser books a guest's a guest and promote them with the intention that they're going to be cancelled and have to replace them. Hmm. You, know, you don't want to put time, energy, promotion, all of that kind of stuff into promoting a guest and then it goes down the toilet and you have to replace somebody two weeks before a show. Yeah. Well, you mentioned um, that it is a business. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, is this your full-time job? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, 
you have to bear in mind, I've been doing it 15 years. Hmm. Um, and I run four, well, three full shows over in New Zealand and one in um, a small one in Dunedin and, and, of course, the Melbourne one. I mean, the, the big difference is the New Zealand shows are very different to what we do in Australia um, in that it's such a smaller market here. In Australia, there are gaming shows, there are animation events, there are you know other events that are running as well. Whereas in New Zealand, there are none of those things. The New Zealand Auckland show had 40,000 people this year. And it was the, it's the biggest show in Australasia. And it's also, you know, we had a two-kilometer line to get in the door. Um, it's, which makes it worth doing full-time. Yeah. But uh, that said, I've only been able to do that about in the last four or five years I've been working full-time on this. And even then, it's been a struggle. Mm. So... Um I'm really also curious about uh, your operations uh, during the con. What, how, how, what is the behind the scenes like of operating uh, a convention with what is it like twenty eight thousand attendees? Mm. Depending on you know which convention and we what you tend to have, with. you tend to have people that you trust to do certain jobs. I mean, like yeah. I don't have, I don't employ anybody. I mean, I, before the show and after the show, it's just me and and my wife running things in in New Zealand and in Australia. There's, as I said, there's my partners in Australia doing their things as well. Mm. But none of us employ any people. But when you come to the actual event itself, you have um, people running the um, looking after the guests, running various bits and pieces, uh, and you rely on them. I mean, without them, the whole thing would be pardon my French, a, a giant clusterfuck. Um, I mean, I have the, my coordinator for my celebrities. I fly her over from Sydney to do the New Zealand guests because I trust her implicitly to, to do what I need done. Uh, and there's certain yeah, people, I mean, if you want to get into that kind of thing, it's not the kind of thing you can just walk into and say, I want to run this. It's you've got to, you know, you've got to be involved in fandom. You've got to have people who see that you look after people and that you don't geek out too much. I mean, everybody geeks out a little. <laughs> I mean, I do. But. There's a limit as to, you know, you're running an event, you have to be professional about what you're doing. Um, and there's certainly, there's new, always new people who pop up on the horizon. I mean, that's what I always hope for anyway. Hmm. What about yourself? What, what could, where can we find uh, you during the convention or would you, are you running around lots? I tend to not have, I mean, I introduce people on the stages and yeah. I tend to just do that, which, you know, running some of the eating contests and stuff, um, but I tend to try to keep myself as free as possible to put out little fires and, and that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, it's, it's also because I know everything about, well, everything about the New Zealand show, the Australian show is, as I said, there's more involved with my partners for that one. Um, I, I know most of what's going on. It means that I can give people instant answers or I can say, get, go do this. Um, but the bigger the events get, the more, uh, convoluted these things get, and the more that you have to trust in certain people to look after certain areas. Mm, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, like, we have a cosplay contest, and I have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with that beyond providing the prizes. The, yeah. the girls who run it do a great job, but I just leave it to them. Can we also address, uh, we had some criticisms of this year's event. Still really enjoyed the event, but things like the panel rooms were were, were, were part of the main convention centre, uh, and as such, the speakers were in a position that wasn't optimal, and audio uh, quality of hearing the guests wasn't that great because there was so much background noise uh, in the convention centre. Yeah, well, in okay, in 2000, and oh, now I'll just refer to Australia because, to be honest, in New Zealand, the setup is very different depending on the venue. Yeah, of course. Um, 
in 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 Australia, we had the uh, the first two years we used the auditorium upstairs. That's about a four hundred and fifty seater auditorium, um, and it worked brilliantly. It, it was great. the The problem that we we also heard was people couldn't find it, and uh, which, to be honest, I thought was you know an oxygen. I, I don't I don't know why how that could happen, but you know. I but have to admit, I missed it uh, the first year I went. Oh, there you go. Um, it also gave us a problem in terms of there's only a small secondary room, so we couldn't do as much additional stuff as we'd like. The We had to, at least a couple of times each event, we've had to close that auditorium because we didn't have um, any room to, to do stuff. Mm. Um, the the um, uh, So we decided to, partially from a cost point of view as well, in that you, we used, we actually, in 2007, 2008, we used two bays of the venue. In 2009, we used three bays. It was a 50% bigger show this year than what we've had in the past. Um, but that also meant that we had to, um, we put the floor, the, the, the stage on the floor, but it also gave us a bigger secondary stage as well, which could fit about 250 people in it. But the main stage, which we used, had 500 seats in it, but also had room for probably about another 100, 150 people sitting around. Um, so it gave us a lot more. I mean, when we had the uh, Seth Green robot chicken panel, we fitted a lot more people in there than we would have if we'd done it upstairs. Mm, fair point. Uh, the problem was going to be the sound. And we looked at uh, costings for doing um, petition, you know, doing bigger petitions, and we did, really didn't think that would make a difference to the sound uh, versus um, doing... Uh, doing curtains and that in in my wellington event we curtain off the main stage and it's expensive but it you know cuts the sound down because the main stage is on the main floor uh you always get some sound bleed but that is quite effective however to do it in australia i think we came back with something like thirty thousand dollars to curtain it off um which is just totally unfeasible in terms of cost yeah um and much as I would have liked it another way, it really just came down to um, cost versus convenience. We could have left the stage upstairs. Um, we could have left it the way it was. But this gave more people opportunities to do it. Yes, the sound needs to be tweaked. But we knew that going in that there was going to be some problems. Generally, it was okay. But it wasn't perfect. And certainly I was a little miffed whenever, I mean, I was watching a recording of, um, I think, the Seth Green panel. And there's some moron in the background saying, um, is, is Matthew, Matthew, your mother is looking for you or something like that in the background. And that, that shouldn't have happened. Mm. Um, but, you know, then that's the nature of these things. Is that every year should be a better show than the year before. Mm. And I think, I mean, this year's I was very happy with the way it went. Uh, it's just a matter of making sure that we can get the, uh, you know, these things working better. Certainly next year's one is going to have the same sort of stage set up. Um, if something comes along that makes us do this a little easier, we, we will. But um, at this stage, it's looking pretty similar. Yeah, okay. Well, hopefully there's some more speakers or you manage to work out yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to be tweaking the speakers. I mean, that's the thing. That's the one thing that we can't... I can't reduce the sound from the overall thing, but there is definite let's improve the sound on this, let's improve the sound on that. Yeah. Um, there was okay. the main stage that really suffered because of it, and there's there's ways to fix that. So yeah, you um, can't change the noise ratio. You got to change the signal part. Exactly. There's that's all tweaks, and uh, again, it comes down to venue thing. We didn't we had less time to set up those halls than I would have liked, but mm. um, now again, once we've done it, 
next year will be even better. And with what's looking like it's going to happen next year, it's going to be a bigger show anyway. So, hmm. One thing I'm also curious about is um, Armageddon seems to have a, a, a familiar... A familiar uh, Sorry, I'm stuttering. A familiar formula uh, to me now, after attending uh, three years or so. Uh, yep. Do you agree, or do you, or do you try to change things up each year? I'm always open to changing things. I mean, certainly, the layout changed quite a bit for us this year, hmm. and I mean, in autograph-wise and that kind of thing for the show is significantly different to how we have to do it in New Zealand. Um, and that's when we first did the 2007 event. I think that was our original plan was that, oh, great, we'll, we'll copy the, what we did in New Zealand and, and this will be great and we'll have a good show. And it, it doesn't quite work that way because Australia is Australia. It's a unique show. It, anybody who's gone to either show will, will notice the difference quite substantially. Uh, Australia is much more of a fantasy show. It is much more akin to uh, Comic-Con than the Auckland show is, even though the Auckland show is significantly bigger. Um, but in terms of a format, uh, yes, there's a general format that we like to stick to. I mean, we changed a little by having more events on the secondary stage this year, and that was quite nice to do. Um, but we've—I'm uh, always looking for something different to throw into the show, something new and unusual to throw up there. And and that's one of the benefits of bringing celebrity guests to an event is that that creates a uniqueness every time you do an event. You know, the um, some years people are going to go, wow, I'm going to go because Fred's there. And, and other years they're going to go, oh, I'm not going because there's no guests I'm interested in. And, and some people are there for the guests and other people are just there for the show hmm. or yeah. for the cosplay or for the, the animation or the, the, the gaming. Or I mean, there's, there's, you know, we try to have it as diverse as we can so that it can pull people in. Once again, for that reasoning of if you can promote, um, if somebody comes for a celebrity guest and then they... They buy a comic that they wouldn't have bought otherwise. That's how you grow fandom, you know, by keeping. I mean, that, that's always been my problem with um, events that are pure anime or pure gaming or, or any of those things. I mean, they're great shows and I don't want to disparage them, but they also only feed the audience that they've already have. Very few new people are going to go to a anime event who haven't been to an anime or aren't already into anime. But it's not going to encourage people who don't care about anime or don't even know it exists. And that's what we hope to do with Armageddon. Cool. One other criticism we brought up uh, in a couple podcasts back when we were talking about e-games and Armageddon. Um, this isn't really so, so much in your your control, but I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. And that's our reoccurring dealers where you go to several conventions even and you see the same dealers and you get a bit of deja vu. Yeah. Um, I must admit, we really have no control over what the dealers do. Mm. I mean, we'll um, we'll turn up and do we'll turn up and do um, we'll book certain retailers, and we know that some are going to have different deals to others. And I try not to have too much repetition, but um, it, you're going to get that. And um, when when you go to the show, yeah, there's going to be some things. But there's also, I've gone to enough of these shows where you see the same thing a couple of times, but you don't notice it the first time. You only notice it again a little later after you've really had a good look around. Hmm. So, uh, look, I'd love to change that. I'd love to have more. And as the show gets bigger, my hope is that that's what's going to happen, is that, um, uh, again... Not to sound like I'm going, oh, New Zealand's great, because to be honest, I love the Australian show just as much. But New Zealand is pretty cool. It's, it, no, it's cool in a different way. 
the New Zealand show is so diverse. It has gaming and, and all sorts of things. So there's not too much repetition, whereas the Australian show is much more sci-fi and fantasy related. Mm. And that changes the... Um, uh, that changes the dynamic substantially. And uh, I actually would love if we could do that in New Zealand, and we never can because there's not enough of that stuff over here. It's all um, it's all general. There's not enough sci-fi fantasy. You go to Australia and there's just so much of it. Um, the, but you are going to get some repetition when you do it. Yeah. And hopefully you get some fresh stuff, and hopefully sometimes you don't. So. Cool, cool. Um one more thing. We'll start to wrap this up, but I'm also kind of curious. Uh, I find Armageddon is a, is a really good trade show, um, and it also becomes somewhat of a social event just because it becomes a good hangout spot. Well, uh, have you guys ever thought about um, pursuing uh, more of the social aspect, though? Perhaps, I don't know, providing lounges and stuff? I, I'm not. I'm just throwing uh, ideas out there. I'm just kind of wondering if you've ever considered these options. I, I considered it, and I love watching things happen at the event that we don't plan. Uh, I was walking through the upper areas of the New Zealand show this year, and there's these guys playing cosplay chess right in the middle of a, of a walkway corridor. And they just set it up and started doing it. And I thought, you know, that's just, that's awesome. They're just doing it off the cuff. They've obviously arranged it. They've set it up. They've got people organized and, and all of that. But they've, um, they've decided to do this as, as their own thing. Um, I find we don't have to set up the social aspect because people tend to do it themselves quite easily. They, most people make um, a weekend of this weekend. It, it's not just a matter of, oh, let's go to Armageddon and muck around, or, or any sci-fi or fantasy con for that matter. It's, I'm going to catch up with all my friends, let's go to a pub afterwards, or let's have a bit of a party, or let's sit around. Uh, anytime you go to any of these shows, I guarantee you, you will see people just standing around... Um, uh, sitting around outside in small groups, congesting. It's 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 great. They tend to do it themselves without any real help from us. So no worries. Uh, well, we might uh, start to wrap it up then. But uh, do you have any uh, any anything you want to discuss that I've uh, haven't touched on? Um, there's certainly fun things to do at the show and I'm always look we have forums which run and we're always open to people saying oh you should check this out you should you know you should do this or um, I never want anybody to think that it's a closed door uh, and certainly on the forums I try not to post too much myself but I do I, I'm on there every day to be honest cleaning out spam because I get a crap load of that yeah. um, but uh, I'm always watching what people are posting and rec suggestions and recommendations and, and all that kind of stuff. So if anybody has any, any ideas that they want to throw in, put, drop us a line. If you want to run an event, let us know. If you, want to, if you think that there's something that we're not addressing, I, I must admit I don't like doing the stuff that's only going to appeal to five people. Um, but anything that on a main stage event or even a secondary stage that you think would be a cool thing to run, it's definitely something we want to look at and, and see if we can do more of. Cool. And, I mean, that's... There's a lot of doers... Sorry, there's a lot of followers in, in the convention circuit, but there's very few doers. There's, there's a lot of people who like to bitch about, uh, I didn't like this and I didn't like that, but they're never willing to put their necks out there and actually run something or do something. And we're probably grateful that they aren't because... If you run it for selfish reasons, it's never a good good idea. You need to be a little 
selfless about how you do these things and what you what you're expecting and who you're trying to do it for. Um, but if you want to have a good time and if you're just interested in getting more people involved in in gaming or Warcraft or, or any of these things, um, there are ways to do it in with existing events or even if you want to start your own, as long as you you know don't overcommit yourself um, to do more. Uh, I mean, I see a lot of people who run or, or try to start events and you can see the disaster coming. I mean, you it just, you can sit back and you wish them the best. And I mean, I, I've taken a very karmic policy with everything lately. And, and I went through a stage a few years back where I was, to be honest, a little, little destructive and a little, you know, negative towards some other people. And, and I regret that. But I also look at it and go, you know, nothing good, nothing good comes of that. Let's just, let's just hope everybody can do a good show. But invariably, when you've got people who don't know what they're doing trying to run shows, uh, they're virtually guaranteed they're going to fail. I mean, my first every time I've done a show, my first show has always lost me money and been a maybe a public success, but a personal disaster for me. Um, it was only just by striving through it that I've been able to get them to the point where I'm, you know, happy with what we've achieved. Cool. Well, actually, I'm glad you touched on all that because um, I've recently uh, just finished working on uh, on a, an event in Melbourne myself, and I thought I appreciated and understood the amount of work that goes into these events, but yeah, holy crap, <laughs> there is a lot of work that goes into these events. It's the one of the bigger problems, and I've been very lucky with the the Melbourne show. I'm not a great believer in committees um, in that when you have a dozen people who all think they're right, you just get nothing but problems. And you tend to get the people who, who want to talk but don't want to do anything. And that's generally what you get out of committees. Um, the running Melbourne with three other guys has been a challenge. And we've had times where it's not gone as smoothly as I certainly like, but it does work generally. And it's the first sort of committee I've been involved with where I can say I'm happy that it's happening. Um, but, you know, you do have to, you do need somebody who just steps up and says, right, I'm running this. Who wants to help me? Mm. But I mean, that's, that's a different conversation. I and mean, that's more about wanting to do events and wanting to be involved in that kind of thing. And, and there certainly is a lot of um, possibilities in there. And, and with these, these kind of events, these big public expos, they're a great place for people who are interested in events who want to do more but don't want to put their neck out to run a thing or, or at the very least just want to learn how, you know, how the thing's set up. I mean, it's a great training ground for, for potential um, people. Um, and that's, that's another advantage you can do by just doing these shows. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to have you on. No. Uh, yeah, this has uh, been Bill, Bill Garatz, creator of Armageddon, and, and thank you again for your time. No worries. Thanks a lot. So that was a special episode of the Can Geek podcast. Uh, normally, we are a, a monthly discussion show. Uh, we record on the first Monday of each month, usually. Uh, and we uh, we have uh, I'm joined by two other geeks, Will and Liam, and we discuss geeky things for about 45 minutes to an hour or so. So if that sounds relevant to your interest, please check out the website, cangeek.com, and check out our other podcasts. We also have another podcast series where we'll be talking with geeky professionals from doctors to, to robotics engineers to comedians to... 
uh, people working in the story units of uh, professional animation studios. Uh, and that's going to be out uh, January 2010. And we are also an events website where we cover and announce every single geeky event happening in Australia, New Zealand, Tasmania. So once again, thanks for listening and check out cangeek.com. See you.